Ladies and gentlemen, this is the IBS Livecast. What's up, everybody? It's IBS Jesus, and we are live with the IBN Livecast. Um, I have with me my host, co-host, Kamish, R.C. Carlton. How you doing today, R.C.? What's up? Not much, man. Nothing much. Um, so we are in what I would consider the prime time for podcasting. We've got everything going on. We've got basketball. We've got football, baseball, if you're into that. We got some Champion League soccer. We got a couple boxing matches, UFC. We got scandals. We got everything. We got everything. So we'll start with basketball because I cannot get into the first round of the playoffs. And my case in point is right now, as I'm looking at the score, it is 30 Philadelphia, 9 Brooklyn in the first quarter with a minute left. Why do we care? Why are we still doing seven games? It has been a problem because, you know, y'all like to call me old man, even though I'm just 40, almost 40 and a half coming up. Maybe it's 40 and a half. What is that? What's half of 11? Uh, Almost 40 (laughs) and a half. And uh, so they did this. I don't know. Maybe it's been a decade or not. I remember one time with the uh, the Suns. It was a five-game series, maybe taking a five by somebody. But five-game series, first of all, are more interesting. Second of all, if they want more money, none of these games go – well, not none. Almost none of these first-round games go seven. They rarely go six. You're lucky if they go five. Like, even when they wanted it to go longer, like last year, the Pelicans swept Portland. Like, it's just a waste of time. There can't be that much revenue. Whatever revenue they're getting, they're losing in ratings because last year the ratings were down for the first round. This year the ratings were down for the first round. I tried to watch a, a couple games. Um, I think there's too many commercials. I don't think guys are, are even trying in the first round of the playoffs, and somebody might call me silly for that, but I, I just can't get down with some of the defense I'm seeing, the lack of effort. It seems like the teams who are who are the squads that you least expect to do anything are actually not even trying. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. I have been interested in the Thunder and Trailblazers series. I have slim interest in the uh, Jazz and Rocket series. But the the best storyline from this, this 76ers and, and Brooklyn series is, is MB getting on everybody's nerves. I mean, did, did anybody have a storyline for the Celtics and, and Pacers? There I guess nothing. that the Celtics, are actually, the Celtics are actually playing well in Gordon Haywood. Of course, he always says it's against bad teams, but there are other storylines that they're back. Kyrie looks good. The Celtics look good, but it's not a real storyline. They should look good. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just silly to me. Um, but I guess I mean, do you, do you do you really grade teams on on how they play against teams? Like, I don't I don't have like any difference of like my opinion didn't change watching the the Bucks just dominate the Pistons. It just it didn't change at all. Matter of fact, when Blake, Blake Griffin came back, I didn't see any change in in this the scoreline. Honestly, I I didn't see where the needle had moved. I still think the Bucks are the best team in the Eastern Conference as of right now. Um, Could somebody beat them? Um, I'm sure, and we're going to cover that today as well. But before we start, before we start, I just have to get this ran off. I want to, I want to start, just get the get the show going. Is there anything more annoying than fans comparing their nine to five jobs to millionaires, like pro athletes? Does anybody not understand what it's like to be a pro athlete? Or even have a concept. We've got Instagram, Twitter. We got all this, this like instant feed into people's lives, and we still have people out here comparing their nine to five desk job to to a millionaire. And what, if you're trying to figure out what I'm referencing, it's this notion that guys have to show up for voluntary workouts. I don't understand it. I don't either. Uh, I was thought they would have given a pass because Tom Brady doesn't do it anymore. And usually, whether these people know it or not, and I'm not the guy to talk about race or cry race, but usually it is when an African-American player doesn't show up. But now, but if the word is voluntary, then it is voluntary. That was collectively bargained. So I don't care if they put it in air quotes. It wasn't voluntary by accident. And what do the players get away with that is, like, on the other side, what's the thing that the uh, what players would get? Like, in this case, there's something voluntary that really is mandatory. But what what's something, if that, how could that happen? Would that ever happen in reverse? Yeah, I don't I don't understand it. I, I don't, for the life of me, understand. And people are like, oh, you make so much money, you can't go to your workout. They need a break, man. They need a break. Athletes really do need a break. You're not you're not off the clock when you're not on the field of play. And that goes for any sport that you do. You're always practicing. It's consuming. Like this like to, to work out and do something that you're not necessarily um required to do is just silly to me. It's just silly to me, especially for guys who've already established themselves in the league. So like Odell Beckham and and, and Jalen Ramsey, like the, the guys Coughlin's trying to criticize, these dudes have already established themselves as premier athletes at their position. They don't need to go to a voluntary workout. That doesn't make any sense. That that's for people lower on the totem pole. Obviously, if you're an elite player, I guess except for Ezekiel Elliott, you stay in shape all year long. You are practicing all year long. You might take a month break or something like that. But you don't need it if you're the best. I mean, the season is is long. You know, this all-season planning, they start in April. Then they, what, have the mini camp. They have OTAs. Then they have training camp. Then they have preseason. They'll be fine. They will be fine. It's the people that are – it's always been a fan that says, oh, my God, if I made that kind of money, I would do this and that. No, you wouldn't. Because people, once they get the money, that that's when you say, oh, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I get a million dollars. Why would I do that? So people think they would, but they wouldn't be any different. Rare is it in a capitalistic society that people make more money and work harder for that money. 
I'll just put that out there. So we'll go ahead. That was just my my random thought. I've had that on my mind all day. I was like, when I get on this podcast, I got to start with that. Uh, But we will roll into what everybody really wants to talk about, and I think that is the storyline of the first-round playoffs, and that is my favorite player and my favorite team and my favorite coach to hate on, the Oklahoma City Corey Carlton Thunder, are down 3-1 to to the Portland Trailblazers. The blame game is going around. The blame game is going around. Is it really Russell Westbrook's fault? Does he really deserve the blame that that this team is down three to one? I saw some fool in the Ringer group said, "What healthy teammate does he have other than Paul? I mean, well, what healthy teammate does he have? Because he was saying that uh, what's the next guy?" Well, first of all, Paul George is out there, so I'm tired of hearing about these guys saying they're hurt. Well, he's not saying he's hurt, to his credit. But people are saying the guy's hurt, but he's out there. If you're out there, you're out there. Like, Curry got that. Like, you just, you're out there. You're out there. Win, lose, or draw. You're out there, man. And people are pretty convenient about that. But, yeah, you got to give Russell Westbrook the blame. He's shooting 36% from the field and 22% from the field goal. I mean, yeah, from, from three. And then you look at, like, what was he, one for eight in the second half last game? The majority of the blame has to go to him because – and then he said he was only 0 for 3 going to the rim, and he said, I can get to the rim anytime I want. What's going on, I, I, I hesitate to put a lot of blame on him because I still don't believe that Billy Donovan and, and, and the organization has – has done enough uh, for Russell Westbrook to to kind of pull him back from from what he really is. And what I've always said is that Russell is a double-edged sword. Yes, he gets his triple doubles. Yes, he uh, when he's on, he's probably one of the best point guards in the game. But he's not consistent enough with that. He's not consistent enough with with the shooting. Like he can score, but when you're shooting, I mean, he he's shooting some really bad shots, man. Like, I mean, there's bricks, and then there's just like, what is confusing to me? It's like when Russell had Kevin Durant, I don't know if it was because of Kevin Durant, but just off the eye test and what I saw, um, I I could truly say that I felt like he had a better jump shot when he had Kevin Durant. And it's not just the three-point shooting now. He's not even shooting his stop and pop. uh, He's not hitting his stop and pop jumpers at a consistent rate. Yeah. And that used to be his M.O. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Um, I don't buy this notion that uh, – because I know Paul George has kind of hinted that he's healthy now or something like that. I know the guys on TNT were like, nobody's trying to hear that this time of year. And I agree. When it's playoff time, I'm not trying to hear about you being banged up. Nobody cares anymore. At this point, everybody's hurt. It's been 82 games. I I doubt anybody goes to an 82-game season – and come in 100% healthy. So uh, we're not trying to hear that. Um, I, I think he deserves a, a fair portion of the blame simply because he is the, the leader of that team. But at some point, I think the um, the coach or whether it be Presti, somebody in that organization really needs to sit Russell Westbrook down and, and kind of – talk to him and ask him why doesn't he trust his teammates more. And it could be that he doesn't have enough help or he doesn't think that anybody other than Paul George is any good 
And if that's the case, then we you need to get him somebody that he can play with. But he's got uh, he's got Nerlens, he's got Schroeder, those guys coming off the bench. I, I really think that matchup wise, he's got a team good enough to to beat the Portland Trailblazers in a seven game series. They should not be down three to one. It's tough because another thing he does is he's so emotionally erratic. His playing style fits his emotions. So then you got a guy who would get into a Ricky Rubio and try to prove something to Ricky Rubio. This year he's trying to get something with Damian Lillard, and it's like, why is he? He's the leader in the heartbeat of the team, but he's unstable. So the team performance is unstable. His performance is unstable. And uh, Cancer was guarding him on the wing, and this was on 538. And um, they basically said Cancer was, like, daring him to shoot it. He's like the guy at the park where you say, shoot it, and then the fool does. No one can stop you going to the hole. Go to the hole, create stuff, kick out, hit uh, Steven Adams down low. Like, you've got to do something to make your players better. And I'm sick of people saying, oh, he doesn't have good teammates. You're a great player. Make them better. You attract attention. Pass the ball. I agree. I agree. There's really not many excuses you can give them. I'm, there's so many people waiting in the wings to hate on Russell Westbrook. I, I really kind of fell off a little. And, and, you know, I used to be big on that when I first got into the group, but it, it kind of got to the point, especially after Kevin Durant left, where it just wasn't even necessary anymore. He's a high-volume guy. He's high energy. Uh, he's got a chip on his shoulder. I don't think he's ever going to be a true leader, per se. Um, and I think that's what the Thunder are banking on is him to be a true leader, and I, and I don't think he is because, like you said, he, he gets too emotional. He makes things personal. He goes after his guy, his guy only, and in some sense that is selfish, and, and they don't really need a selfish player right now. They need a, they need a leader, a teammate, somebody that's going to do more uh, than just get hit shots off but facilitate as well. And assist, assist is one of those statistics to me that – it looks great on paper, but it doesn't say a lot about the actual play of an individual in regards to the flow of the game. Um, Especially and I, when everything and is going through you, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what right? that's what so I was getting like, to, yeah. He dribbles around, he's, he's fast, giving assists. Yeah, he's dominating the ball, so he's going to get assists. But could he have passed the ball earlier? Could he have done an extra pass here and there? Could he direct somebody to go over to this way, passing the ball, kick it out, you know, direct a little. And I know that's probably not really the Billy Donovan style. He's always kind of let guys just play, you know. Even when uh, Kevin Durant was there, it was like, you know, Durant to get 25 shots. Now it's Russell's turn to get 25 shots. But they don't have that type of team. They don't have that type of uh, backcourt anymore. And when you've got two guys, because Paul George has not been shooting the ball that well himself, when you've got two, two guys just throwing up shots and, and just – really missing half the rim, I think somebody needs to come up with something better, man. It really, if if the Thunder lose this series in the next game, they really need to think long and hard this offseason about how they want to move forward as an organization. And that doesn't mean get rid of guys, but how do they make this basketball team a better basketball team? Not a, a team of two superstars, if they're on, we win. If they're off, we don't because that's what they had with Durant and Westbrook. They can't do that with Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook. They need a team. So um, I guess I guess I got a little bit of passion right, right there. 
even though I, I did say I wasn't watching. That is actually the only series I have been um, actively watching. He's a passionate guy. <laughs> so, uh, for some reason, he brings, he brings the passion out of people. He's so this, this is going to be our probably our favorite topic tonight on NBA uh, playoffs. Your man, what is this? Huh? Joel Embiid. Is he annoying? Fun. This is going to probably be old school versus new school, so I'm gonna let you go first. What's your thoughts on Joel you, Embiid? You keep stereotyping me, man. I told you I'm not really old school. <laughs> I have old school. I'm in that zennial uh, thing. I think they call it like part Generation X and part Millennial. Like I'm at like 78, and I think the cutoff is 1984 to get between Generation X and Millennial. So I'm like kind of in the middle, and. Uh, at one point it bothered me, but now I just think it's funny. And I, the only thing that really bothered me was the chatter, like a lot of trash talking. But I saw he was legit. Like he always comes. He always brings it. He's playing on one leg. So I just think he's fun. I think some of that might come back to bite him sooner or later, but they're not playing the Warriors anytime soon when he said that Warriors 3-1 joke. So, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I think somebody's going to collect the receipt, but it doesn't bother me. All right, we got a caller, 404-788. You are on the air with the IBN Livecast. Who are we talking to? RC, it's Keith. How you doing, man? What's up, man? Uh, it's not Joe HG. I can deal with it. I can deal with it. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey, what's up, Keith? Yeah. Hey, we're talking about Joel Embiid. Um, do you think he's funny, annoying? How do you, how do you perceive his uh, persona during this playoff? I think he's harmless. Uh, I look at it that he's at least smart because when that, you know, I guess they call melee happened, you know, in the last game in Brooklyn, you saw he gets shoved and he immediately backed away from the situation. And to me, I take that as that's a guy that knows what he's doing because he knows he's too valuable to get caught up exactly like Jimmy Butler did and what was, you know, weak uh, technicals and, you know, ejections. But – he did the right thing, and I mean, he's young. He's having fun. That kind of stuff doesn't bother me as long as you perform on the court and you do the right thing in situations like that, which are the most important. Yeah, I I think uh, I think he's somewhat harmless as well. Um, honestly, given the 76ers' past, I, I think he's perfect for the organizations. What the city needs, they need a guy that's going to be uh, witty, funny and also able to back it up on the court. I, I think that's the most important part. And if anything, I think MB's uh, antics somewhat distract people from the fact that he really is a superstar uh, at that position and just in general for the 76ers. Because a lot of guys who, who joke around and, and don't seem to take things serious, usually it shows in their level of play. But, I mean, MB for the most part, has always given 100% when he's on that court, and he and he's – just a great asset. So I've always found him funny. I think he's a troll god. Um, my favorite part of Embiid was when he was uh, after Rihanna. So I'm sad to see that go since he's got a Brazilian <laughs> supermodel as his girlfriend now. But I understand. Good for him, though. Yeah, I understand. Hey, so we were also talking about uh, Russell Westbrook, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we're about to roll into the uh, NBA playoffs, talking about uh, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics. I think that's the series that everybody kind of wants to see. How do you see that playing out with, between the Bucks and Celtics? That was actually what I was calling about. Is I just feel like this is the start of the playoffs. 
This is, you know, the the Trailblazers and the Thunder Series I thought was going to be more interesting and competitive, and it just really hasn't. And none of the matchups, in my opinion, in the first round were that juicy other than that one. And, I mean, this is fascinating because I think the Bucks are going to wear them out. I really do. Uh, I think Giannis is reaching that level where – he is the best player in the NBA, and it's not any question. Because if you look at his minutes this year and, you know, what he did in those minutes, and now he's going to be playing more minutes in the playoffs. I mean, it's already showing in his numbers from his last series. And they just have so many shooters around them that they're kind of the perfect team for Giannis. And then the Celtics are obviously, you know, interesting because they look like they're starting to kind of figure it out and be what everybody thought they were going to be. Hayward's playing a lot better. Kyrie is obviously, you know, proven he can play in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, in some ways I think a few of the injuries that they have that actually helped them because it's got the right guys playing minutes. So I am interested to see this, but I just – I think like the Bucks in five or six, honestly. Okay. Lonnie, what's your take on it? Yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted because I feel like this is the time the Celtics are going to show – they're the Celtics. The Bucks are still inexperienced, and the Celtics just have a lot of weapons. I don't think they can stop Giannis, but I think with those bigs, they can sort of slow it down. I mean, rough him up a little bit, contain him. I hate to say it. I really hate to say it, but I think I got the Celtics. I'm going to have to dig into the stats and find an excuse to uh, do the Bucks because I like the Bucks and I love Giannis, but I just feel like the Celtics got more. And Giannis's supporting cast is going to let him down. I think the Celtics are the better team um, overall, just because of the chemistry, the experience. They, they've been here before, but I I really feel like the um, the the Bucks coach has been somewhat underrated since he's been in the league. Um, he's all he's he's got experience, coaching experience in the playoffs. Granted, he always got swept by LeBron. But he's at least got yeah, but then sixteen games. Or, I, I'm in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, I was gonna say he got he got swept a lot in Atlanta. But yeah, he comes from the um, <laughs> the coach pop tree, and I, I know Brad Stevens um, is a respectable coach. There's still just something about Stevens and this particular team right now. I feel like it's one of those things where the Bucks need to come out, and I, I'll use a boxing reference, but they they've got to take the Celtics' best punch. They've got to hold on for dear life, get to the corner during the bell, take them into some deeper rounds, and I really think they can wear the Celtics down. They should potentially slow the game down a little bit uh, and, and, and make the Celtics have to play together because I still do not believe that this team really gets along. And if there's adversity, enough of it, especially in intense clutch moments, we're going to see them kind of snap at each other because we've already seen the type of leadership that Kyrie has shown throughout the season when things have gotten tough. And this is one of those teams where everything's going good. Brown, Tatum, and all those guys seem to get along. Everybody's cool. But I feel like the minute something doesn't go their way and it's, and it's uh, it gets tough on them, I think they can make them unravel. So um, I don't want to, I don't want to pick the bucks, but if, if I if I can be contrary, and I think Bucks in in, in the game seven actually they've got home court this series, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'll take the Bucks in seven. Um, thank you for calling, Keith. Uh, we've got another caller. Hey, guys, I'm gonna, um, 
Yeah, man, I'm gonna uh, reach over to this other caller here. Let's see, four six nine two eight eight. Who we got? I bet you can't guess who this is. Oh God, it's Akuma <laughs> again. Hey, look, man, whoever you pick, I got it. I, I got it, yo. <laughs> Boogie man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we were talking about the uh, Celtics and, and Bucks. So Keith made a valid point. And I want to hear your uh, take on it because I, I think your team, LeBron, is um, excuse me, is Giannis the new best player in the league? In the East, yes. In the West, I got to give it to Durant. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. I didn't know you stick to that. In the East, I got uh, Giannis. I got the Greek freak. Definitely. Uh, this is also why I have them beating the Celtics. They, okay. The Celtics don't match up very well against that post player. Even though they got the numbers and the depth, the problem is everyone's all up on the Celtics right now, but they barely beat a Pacers team without their best player. Which, I mean, that, that Pacers team had a lot of fight, even, even without Oladipo. Uh, they still yeah, have some playmakers on there. So I, I can see where you're coming from with that. But um do you think that the Celtics so let's 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 put this matchup into perspective. Who's got more to lose? The Bucks or the Celtics for this series? The Celtics got more to lose. The Bucks can always say, uh, this player was hurt, this player was off, uh, we're still young, we're still growing. Our time is next year or you know, two years down the road with the hype and the pressure on Steven and Kyrie with that they have to win now. Like, yeah, this whole old. thing was, remember, they, they're going into the season. They're literally going into the season this year. It's the start of the year. We got to the seventh game of the Eastern Conference Finals without Hayward and Kyrie. That pressure is massive because now you have Hayward and Kyrie. They have all, all right. the pressure. Like Brandon Ingram and Kuzma, no pressure last year. The moment they signed LeBron, you go from being, oh, you're growing to, now nah, you're a Western Conference finalist uh, opinionated. Yeah, pressure bus, gentlemen. And right. I enjoy Kyrie, and I love Kyrie, right? But we've also seen Kyrie lead teams without LeBron. Let's just be honest. That Celtics team was good without him. So I can't yep. really give him all the praise on it. When he was tasked to lead that Celtics team, they actually performed worse this year. They're in a lower seed, open east, right, with the same roster with more help. And that's what you did. They did better last year. Yeah, and I, and I think that some of that goes back to, to what I was touching on, too, that I don't think this team is really together. Um, and right. just off of things they said during the during the the season, and and some of that stuff was uh, deep rooted, and and you could kind of tell it was it was kind of seeping out from behind closed doors. Guys were not happy. I mean, there was one instance where Marcus Smart completely contradicted Kyrie, uh, and Kyrie's response to that, like the very next like question when somebody brought up uh, Marcus Smart soundbite was, well, that's that's what he thinks, you know something of that nature. So it just didn't seem like Brad Stevens had much control over the team. 
uh, in regards to the uh, amount of egos, there's a lot of guys on that team that feel like they can lead as well. And so it kind of puts it into perspective for me. Is this Celtics team going to play as a team together when the Bucks, who who seem to be very uh, glued together from top to bottom, and they all think that Giannis is the leader and he, he accepts that role, who do the Celtics go to when – the eventual shots are not falling because we've seen them go on some pretty cold streaks even um, during uh, their runs uh, deep into the postseason. Who do you think, Ronnie, is going to be the, the go-to leader for the Celtics team? I mean, Scott is still the money man in the clutch. He can take over games. This is why he's here because they're saying, you know, we can run that motion offense and we can have all these guys at the summit. What is it, the uh, – the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. But in the playoffs, you want Kyrie to be the guy. But let me, let me since we got Brandon here, I want to move off it just a little bit. Brandon, I know because everybody has thoughts on Russell, Russell Westbrook. What do you think of what's been going on with Russell Westbrook this, uh, this first round against Portland? The man I like to call Goat Brook. Right? A man who uh, – <laughs> I call him that jokingly, but he's a great player, and I got mad respect for him. What it is is he's a IndyCar, right? The problem oh, with an IndyCar, the, the problem with an IndyCar is you don't drive an IndyCar every day. You drive it for one race and put it up. The problem is he drives like an IndyCar when he should be running like a Kenworth. He needs to lift <laughs> heavy. To be able to do what he's you must be a car and guy. And I got love for him, but what's happening right now is he can't get lift on his shots, right? So he's forcing the issue. He's not confident with it, and his body is now running out of gas. And Paul George has an injury that's nagging him to his shoulder, so his shot's not even. If they want to make it better, what they should do is start attacking on the inside, dumping it down to Adams, right, to get the defense yeah, to collapse. Too. driving. That, I think that would help. To drive, pick but, up. And also what people don't uh, remember is he's been in league for like 11, 12 years. He's 30 years old. So eventually he's not the guy he was at 25. He's still awesome, but he's not the kid that he was at 25. And uh, then you have to factor in, like I was saying, when it comes to him and Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard is playing basketball. Russell is trying to make it personal. Lillard's just trying to play basketball. And that's what's affecting Russell. It's, uh, there was an old uh, meme I saw where it was these Indian guys, you know, uh, not Indian like Native American. I don't mean to be culturally wrong, and I apologize if I am. <laughs> Sorry. I mean like Abu Dhabi gentlemen. They purchased a racetrack. Then they raced three greyhounds versus a cheetah. And when they hit the gun, every time the cheetah just sat there. And they were like, why isn't the cheetah running? Why isn't the cheetah running? And some some guy said the reason why because the cheetah finds it insulting that you put him in that race. Right, <laughs> that's how Dame is playing. He finds it insulting yeah, that yeah. Russ is trying to go at him, try to win the game. Don't go after me. You beat me by getting the W. There's the difference. That's true. That's true. That's some good analogies, man. <laughs> you out here preaching, amen, brother, amen. But um, <laughs> so. Do you think because Vegas has uh, the Thunder at five to one to come back and win the series? Do you think that's a possibility? No, they will push it to. They may win tonight, right? But then you also have to factor in the longer the series goes, the more the nagging injuries start to pick up. 
This is what happened with the uh, Warriors in Game 7. Steph was fine. The nagging injury started to catch up. Iggy started to get hurt. Bogut started to get hurt. Them little nicks and cuts start to add up in Game 7. Then you're playing all 40-something minutes, and now you're like hands on your uh, knees. You notice that if you go back and watch it, during timeouts and players with double over. Right? They're all bent over and jacked up. So you have to factor in that. I think they can push it a game, but I don't see them pushing it to seven. Uh, that's just my opinion. It could be shocker, but I, I just that's a lot to ask of any man. Yeah, I don't think they're consistent enough with their shooting to come back. Like they're not gonna play three straight games and, and shoot forty percent from <laughs> probably not from the field, but definitely not from three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got Dame is outscoring them in the three-pointer, right, and by himself, their team is not shooting well. Now, you can get streaky. We've seen teams get streaky, but the problem with that getting streaky, it's like an MMA reference. When you got a great grappler, a great jiu-jitsu guy, and he learns to knock people out, he forgets what brought him to the dance, and he starts thinking he's a knockout artist. Then he goes up against a knockout artist who moves and then punches him back because he's like, oh, he's not tackling me? Oh, great. So what will happen is if they get hot from three, they might go into game six thinking, oh, we're a three-point shooting team again. Our shots are falling again. Yeah, I don't I don't honestly see them beating Portland in Portland. Um, what would be, I'm assuming, two two games they would have to play in Portland? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's possible. I, Dame and, and McCullum, I've watched a lot of them this year. I'm a, I'm a casual fan, but I, I – Following Trailblazers enough to know, like those boys, <laughs> one of them was going for forty. One of those games, they might as well go ahead and get ready. And I don't think that uh, Russell or Paul George are efficient enough to go for forty or to match McCullum and, and Lillard's efficiency in Portland on the road. I think that's really the key: is that even if they get the same amount of points, they're not going to be as efficient. And and McCullum and 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 uh, Lillard have gotten their guys involved more. Um, like you said, they, they seem to be focused on playing basketball and winning the game and not making it personal. And I just think that the bench for the Trailblazers is too good of a shooting bench um, to, to really lose two games in Portland, you know. It'd be it'd be a yep. tough task. Well, um, thanks Same. for calling, man. Um, we're going to switch to some other topics. You can keep listening and uh, just join the uh, the thread that we got going right now, all right? Anytime, brother. All right. Thanks. See, that's some good basketball. It's like good, good analogies, man. I like a good analogy. They were, they were um, really good, man. They were. The IndyCar so, was the best thing I've ever heard about Westbrook. So we've got a couple of uh, non-NBA playoff uh, topics to go through. So I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on those now. Because I was looking at our little list, we got it a little out of order. I don't want to switch from sport to sport. So our next, yes. our next uh, topic is breaking news. I guess um, we're gonna let my man Bill explain what happened. Well, sir, if she says no, no means no. Have another minute. Maybe that'll <laughs> calm you down. That's for you, Rook Walton. Rook Walton has been accused of sexual assault. I don't know if you guys have read the details. I'm going off of what I read in, in TMZ. Yes, sometimes I get alerts and it sends me to TMZ. They report the news before most people anyway. So it sounds like Luke forced himself on a, on a reporter. Um, she looks familiar. I didn't go too far into it, but 
it just doesn't sound like Luke Walton. I mean, he's just too much of a of a dork, man. Like his dad's a dork. He's a dork. They're two dorky guys. I just can't envision this playing out how she described it. But again, we don't know. You know, I don't know this man personally, uh, so I can't say you know wholeheartedly whether he did it or not. But the Sacramento Kings seem to be in a bind. What do you think is going to happen with the Kings and Luke Walton? It's always the quiet ones, man. But honestly, you're a man. I mean, you, we both have been all here our lives. You don't really know who's a freak. So, you know, and I don't want to jokingly about this because obviously, like, she felt like he was too aggressive and, uh, and has been harassing him since. But, man, you don't know who this is. And, of course, I'm not the guy. I'm usually the guy that defends women in these situations. Uh, I give them the benefit of the doubt, and I try not to judge the guy unless the evidence is really bad. Right now, as he said, she said. But I will say it's a little odd that she's only going for a lawsuit and no kind of criminal prosecution. I'm not implying anything, but that is not a good look. I don't mind if you go for the lawsuit, but why isn't there any kind of criminal proceedings, and there never have been, but you're going for the lawsuit. Yeah, and, and I always, I understand wholeheartedly when women say that they feel like, you know, they feel somewhat intimidated. Uh, she was working for what would be their regional sports coverage. So you can imagine, yeah. I mean, this was when he was with the Golden State Warriors. They were one of the hottest teams uh, out during this time. You know, if she raises this allegation with the wrong person, she could essentially be back blackballed uh, in that region, and they've got a lot of teams that they cover out there uh, from baseball, football, basketball, college sports as well. So I, I can understand some hesitation on her end, but I, too, wonder why um, we're taking the monetary route, not the, the criminal route. But maybe she feels like she can't prove prove it enough in court because it is proved yeah. beyond a reasonable doubt. The the threshold is a lot a lot higher I do know that um and it's been a while too. It's yeah. Been a while and I do know that there are there, it wasn't rape, so yeah. it's almost impossible to prove based yeah. on, you know, I mean you could we could see that angle, so we're being fair to it at least. Yeah, and I and I do um know that sometimes attorneys will um <clears throat> will like advise to take a monetary route for situations like this, more like a civil suit. Um, rather than trying to pursue criminal charges based on uh, the longevity of, of when it happened and so forth. But um, I'll keep an eye on this. I think we all should keep an eye on this because it would be uh, somewhat – I think it would be considered breaking news. I don't think we've ever had a a sexual assault accusation on a coach. We've had it on front office guys before, but, but like yeah. a head coach, I, I, I think uh, – Not a coach that was active, definitely. I mean, I don't think yeah. any, but – now, and I, it was active. And I, I t- personally like to take a look at how Adam Silver uh, handles these situations as well, just because he's such a, um, he's just really good at, at at putting fires out when it comes to media storms. Like the NFL would would probably botch this and, and have it all over the news, circulating twenty four seven on um, on ESPN because they they don't know how to handle these situations. So. This will be interesting, and I'll keep an eye on that. Um, let's see. Kevin Durant, they need me, but he's also I'm not saying be here. next year. So who knows? <laughs> Why do they need you, Kevin Durant? Why? 
the media needs him. I think that was the quote is what he was saying, basically, that the media needs him. Yeah, right? I, I looked real quick. I thought he was talking about the uh, the team, but it sounds like it sounds like the media thing. I can double check. All I know, no matter what, he's so insecure. I was listening to an uh, underrated show on ESPN, High Noon, with Pablo Torre, and that's the first time I ever said his name out loud, and Bomani Jones. And and Pablo Torre, of all people, said, remember when was Russell Westbrook? Remember when uh, Kevin Durant wanted to be called the servant? Like, he just doesn't know who he is. And it's just sad to look, somebody with all that talent to be so insecure and have no idea who he really is. Yeah, he he said the media needs him ahead of the 2019 free agency. They need me, Durant said of the media per NBC Sports Bay Area's Logan Murdoch. If I wasn't a free agent, none of this shit would go on, right? None of the speculation about who I am, what's wrong with my mental why I'm miserable, why I ain't happy with life, nothing. Dude, shut up, man. God, Kevin Durant gets on my nerves, bro. He, yeah, it's pretty bad. in the playoffs, playing with a team that came off a 73-win season. He's got back-to-back championships, right? Back-to-back championships, or he's going to get back-to-back championships. Who knows? Yeah, anyway, already got they're, back. They're, looking at three yeah, back-to-back championships. I think he was finals MVP and all this other accolades, yada, yada, yada. He's done so much. And he's still not considered universally the best player in the league. Shut up, man. Just shut up. Nobody cares about you for real. You're you're LeBron James and then Kevin Durant. You're still in LeBron's shadow. Whether he wants to believe it or not, universally speaking, most people still have LeBron as one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. But they always say LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Like, that's just how it is. And he's talking about they need me. Come on, man. Come on. He's not going to make it in a city like New York, man. He's just not. I don't care what nobody says. He ain't going to New York. He can't make it in Oakland, bro. He can't make it in Golden State. He crying in Golden State. They, who, 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 who does? He could make it in Oklahoma City. And, that, yeah. and they laid everything out and babied him there. Yeah. Who Who is the media coverage in, in, in Oakland, man? Like, they're technically a small market. I'm sorry, they're technically a small market. They're not L.A. They're not New York. They're not Houston. They're not Boston. Like, they're not uh, They're not what I would consider a major sports market, and he's crying out there. He wouldn't last two months in New York, man. New York, you went in New York, and they still hate you. <laughs> like, I don't exactly. understand. I, I just don't so get it, man. Evidently, while we've been talking, evidently while mm-hmm. we've been talking, Luke Walton's uh, accuser, her name is Kelly Tennant, did a press conference. So I just wanted to let that be known. We don't have to go into detail because it's too quick. But yeah, uh, yeah, back to he's just so he's so just Kevin Durant. He's, he's just ridiculous, and I don't think anybody's around him telling him how ridiculous he is. I guess this is the real him, just inconsistent, whiny, and insecure. He's annoying, man. He is so annoying. I'm sorry. Like, he's a great player. I'll never take anything away from him uh, as far as his basketball skills go. But as a as a person, I just I couldn't play with a teammate like that. He would make me spaz, man. <laughs> like, just shut up. Like, you're not that important, yo. Like, you're not that important. Nobody nobody goes home and thinks about what they can do to to make Kevin Durant upset or get in the news with Kevin Durant. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's who's got burner accounts and he's 
damn near 30. Nobody cares, man. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> um, switching over, what, what is this Houston choke thing? What is that about? Oh, it's just that they, uh, they, they couldn't close out last night, which is weird. Like, usually you're up 3-0. Like, well, I, I want to see the percentage on that. But if you're up 3-0, like, the, the opposing team should be planning their vacation. Instead, they come out hard and they win. Yeah, it's but maybe that bodes is, that is a bode is, well for Houston. Even though Golden State had their their game where they kind of gave it up and they played next round, but both of them had a stinker basically. Isn't um isn't James Harden still the leader of this team, the go to guy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> playoff Harden is a real thing. I don't care what nobody says; it's a real thing, man. Like I think the other day, him and Steph Curry stunk it up. I mean, we got like. We gotta start saying playoff Curry too. I think they yeah. they were terrible. I, didn't Harden have like twenty something points, but only had like three made baskets or something ridiculous? Yeah, he I was over fifteen, it. and then he God. stepped up in the fourth quarter. But he was over fifteen. And you know, you know, I, I think it's common knowledge that the playoffs do get called a little differently. But you know, shooting a shot is shooting a shot still, man. I, I mean, maybe the legs are tired. I don't know, but it's some. Some really bad shooting percentages and and just overall shots in this playoffs. Like guys are wide open, dudes are not closing out, and they're just literally looking at you. Like they're treating some of these guys like they're all Ben Simmons. Just load the box. Looks like the nineties. Like <laughs> go ahead shoot it, man. You ain't gonna make it anyway. Yeah, That's crazy. Bad, yeah. Um, Everybody shoots for. Yeah, and, and it's just, I, again, I'll just go back to, maybe we need to go back to five rounds, man. I mean, five games. Like, this is, it's dragging out. It's not really good basketball. It's, to me, it's hurting the product, man. And and it's not even people complain about, or I guess people say when a lot of these guys are missing, oh, that's good defense. I don't really see good defense. I don't see any difference no. in defense. I see a little difference in some people's effort. But overall, guys just not finishing at the bucket, man. Like last night, I watched um, I watched Giannis driving to the lane, and the Pistons player went to half take a charge, half like contest the shot, but he had his hands down. I don't understand. How are you supposed to contest the shot with your hands down? And people were like, "Look at him finish through the contact." I'm like, he he wasn't even trying. Like it's just, it was a good shot. You talking about the one on Drummond? No, the Drummond one was nice. Now this is on like somebody oh, okay, smaller. Okay. And don't get me started no. on Drummond, the most overrated big man in the league. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, John Washington, if you're listening, because I tagged you in the thread. Drummond is trash. Um, yeah, Houston choked. I don't know, I guess. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't think the Jazz have enough to really come back and make it a series. I just feel like Houston is just one of those teams at this point. Their goal is we need to beat the Warriors. Everybody else is kind of in the way. So they, they play in spurts to me. Like they know they can beat the Jazz, so they can just wait until they get back to Houston and close out. I really think they don't have any issues. Um, Russell Wilson, our favorite cornball quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson buys his O-line Amazon stock. I'm not even going to lie. that That's pretty cool, though. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. That is uh, really cool. It does seem kind of <laughs> like giving you giving like a sweater or some bonds for uh for Christmas, but in the end, that's like the good gift, but it does seem kind of stinky for the linemen compared to the watches they normally get. I mean, Amazon stock is, I think that's 
it's an investment, man. Like that's teaching these guys, you know, hey, you can have some money after you, you know, leave the NFL and you can't walk and they don't pay your insurance and treat you like outcasts. We should have this Amazon stuff. For the long term, but the short term, it's like. Eh. <laughs> I mean, what do you expect from Russell Wilson? He's always he just he's a smart guy. He's one of those guys that would think that that's a great gift, like a, a stocking stuffer of. Amazon gift cards. <laughs> Did you see he's been getting into a weird mode? Did you see they were on Instagram Live or Twitter or something like that? And Sierra was doing his hair and doing it in cornrows. Like what? What is happening? Since he's got that money, like it's like he's found his inner nickel. <laughs> it's a weird stuff. Man. Look, I don't know what Russell personally. This? I don't know him personally. I know of his family a little. Um, and I'm just, I just, I, that's not his roots, man. And people can claim him in Richmond, and that's fine. But I'm, I'm 100% sure, 95% of the people that's claiming him in Richmond, he ain't never been to your side of town, and never will go to your <laughs> side of town. So I mean, it's all fine and dandy. He is still technically a Richmond native, but I don't know, man. He, if he's, if he's trying to be something that he's not, if he's letting Sierra talk him into being. Uh, not future, but past. I don't care. Just don't blow your money up, man. I I feel terrible if we find out Russell Wilson gave all his money to Sierra, and he ain't got nothing left. We got a late caller. Oh, she might we come get half call. of it anyway. <laughs> we got a late caller. Six zero six five two one. It better not be Joe H G. Who this? It's a Kentucky area code. Matt Couch speaking. How are you? Oh, oh Matt here Couch. We go. Okay, okay, Kentucky. What's going on, And we're talking about not much, man. We were talking about Russell Wilson buying his O-line Amazon stock. Um, What would be a good gift for an O-lineman? What would you buy if you were Russell Wilson? You know, I think it's a gift that fits his personality. You know, he's a guy that's obviously been about his money. You know, uh, he's a guy that's, you know, he had a lot of success early. That success brought endorsements. Um you know, I think that I think he's a good example for you know, in a sport where a lot of guys don't set them up themselves up with long term wealth. Okay, can I just say I appreciate you not calling him a class act. I was waiting on it. I was like, oh, here he comes. He's a class act. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I mean, can, I mean, I, I think he is, a lot. Baby. I think people give he is, but I think a lot of people give Russ a hard time for being about his money, which is weird because it only applies to football players. When basketball yeah. players do it, it's just it's just normal. But when a football guy acts a certain way and does really well with endorsements, somehow it comes with a negative innuendo or something. But nobody gives Kevin Durant a hard time for being about his money. They yeah, got more. True. Basketball players typically have more. But it is weird. That's a good point you brought up. That is true. Hey, so um, there was some breaking news today. I don't know if you know about this matter or not, but the uh, Seahawks made a, a pretty, um, I think, a pretty good Big trade. trade. Um, they traded their uh, their premier pass rusher uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I want to make sure that I get the exact uh, thing played out. So Frank, uh, Frank, <laughs> Frank Clark was Frank. brought to the Kansas City Chiefs. For the 29th pick uh, in 2019, uh, then they swapped, I want to say, third-round picks for 2019, and then the Seahawks also got a uh, 
2020 second round pick. And then the Chiefs turned around and signed my man Clark for five years, $105.5 million deal with $63.5 million guaranteed. Whoo! That's big money. How do you feel about that trade? Who's the winner in that trade? You know, I think uh, going back to your boy Russell Wilson, um, you know, the blueprint is there. Got the young quarterback on the rookie deal. You know, you have money to spend on the veterans. So, you know, kudos to the Chiefs for taking advantage of, you know, Pat Mahomes on a rookie deal. And, you know, I think uh, the Hawks are doing what they have to do and getting value for stars. Uh, they're doing what they have to do and we're losing you a little bit, but on your signal. Sorry about that. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Sorry about that. I just said that I think, uh, um, you know, both it's, it's about even for both teams. The Seahawks are going to have to make sacrifices in stars with the mega deal that Russ just got. And the Chiefs are going to have to take advantage of the rookie contract window of Mahomes. You know, their okay. window to win a Super Bowl realistically is the next three years. Okay. Um, so we've got five minutes left, man. So we're going to go ahead and let you go. Uh, thank you for calling. You got anything you want to say in, in parting? No, just ready for college basketball season next year. Uh, go Cat. Talk to y'all soon. All right. Cool, man. Thanks for calling. That was Matt Couch. He's from uh, the IBM group. Appreciate him calling in. He's a Kentucky fan. Um, I'm actually going to hit him up for the Kentucky Derby, see what he thinks. I know you don't get down with that stuff, Ronnie. So, uh, <laughs> I do watch Kentucky Derby. That's the only race I we watch. Had a good, I we, watch that every year. I'd say we had a good show, man. It, it actually went a yeah, lot yeah, longer and a lot quicker than I thought. Three callers? Is that our yeah, three we callers, three callers we, right? Yeah, we even got some topics we didn't even touch on. So, in closing, we will close with one of our topics we didn't touch on. Actually, a topic that I'm going to come up with. Bat flips and getting beamed by pitches. So I'll start this one, okay? Because I feel very personal about this because I got hit with a lot of pitches growing up as a kid and even in rec sports, all right? Um, honestly, if you're going to flip the bat, it's, it's a way to do it without offending people. And I know some people like it doesn't matter, but imagine you got dunked on and, and somebody Sean Kemp you, dunked on you, pointed in your face and, and, and like made a spectacle of it. You got Moss and the dude just shoved you in the back and knocked you down afterwards and then stepped over top of you, Tyrone Lou style. That's basically the baseball equivalent when people don't just flip bats, they throw them. Like my man Anderson just threw the bat, like all the way across the plate, just threw it. In, in a in a 2-0 game in the second inning, in my opinion, he deserved to be hit, and I think he was okay with that. Honestly, I think he anticipated it. But nothing comes out of this, man. I've seen out of the last decade, I've only seen like two guys really want to fight somebody or legit attack somebody because they got hit by a pitch. It is what it is. If you're not throwing at guys' heads or kneecaps and stuff, you can wear one in the back. It's not that big of a deal, especially if you get hit on the quad or thigh. It's not that big of a deal to me. You're a little old school on, on, on baseball yourself, even though you do have a new school swag, apparently. I, I think you're primarily old school. <laughs> what is your take on um, on baseball and, and this this trend of beanball? Like, I actually enjoy it because I like to see a little accident, a little fighting, you know. Baseball fights, 
can be either really good or really bad. Somebody the other day said the NBA fights were kind of getting like baseball, but there's you're allowed to come out the bench because there's so many people. So occasionally yeah. you'll see some action in between the guys trying to break it up, or sometimes a baseball, which is really cool. The dude is just tired of it, and he will run right up to the mound and let's go. You know, so that could be entertaining. But the the unwritten rules are dumb as dumb. I, well, we haven't cursed yet, so I'm not gonna do it. But they're just dumb as I don't know what, man. If a dude. If a dude backflip or hits a home run on you, which is especially bad, like, they shouldn't get hit. Man, they really disrespect you, maybe, and they're doing crazy stuff on the base path. But it's too much. I like to see some expression. I like Sammy's little uh, hop or when uh, Bonds, even though he had, like, armor on, but when Bonds would, like, admire it, like, it just gives a little more swag. So I want to see people get hit. But at the same time, I don't want the unwritten rules to to be be enforced. So I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, it is a catch-22. Um, baseball is getting a little bit better action-wise, um, even though people are striking out at all-time highs. Home runs are still up. So we're getting getting it somewhere. I don't know. But um, it's more – I ain't going to lie, I've had more fun watching baseball than some of these first-round playoff games. <laughs> They're terrible. So, They're really terrible. It, it's been a great show. Uh, thank everybody. Uh, thank you to everybody who called um, and all the ones who wanted to call but couldn't. We're on every Tuesday at 8.30. So this has been the IBN Livecast. I'll see you guys later. See ya.